0: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land 194's pre-roll, pre-roll. God, you know that sound they play, that fucking horn sound they play in like every rap video now and uh, club music, that stupid. (laughs) Makes you want to stab somebody. Breaking the NAP. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Uh, Guys, let's talk about CBD. Let's talk about the North Spokane Hemp Company our little friend in North Spokane at NorthSpokaneCBD.com where you can get 15% off with the promo code LIONS by visiting them and picking out your favorite CBD oils your favorite CBD tinctures your favorite CBD flowers stuff for you stuff for your pets stuff to help you sleep stuff to help you get through your day and recover from a hangover everything that you need they got and by using that promo code LIONS you're helping us out too because you know we a little something something on the back end so again that's northspokanecbd.com. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome, my sexualized 11-year-old fan base to the show. Yes, Electric Liberty Land, episode number 194. All the show notes can be found at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 194. And by the way, exciting stuff, guys. We are working on a brand new website so that your eyeballs won't bleed when you go to our current current iteration any longer. You'll be able to find all the things you need to subscribe, to uh, patronize us, (laughs) to get to the Lions of Liberty store, uh, all that good stuff. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we'll do a launch party, a Zoom launch party where we drink the uh, the bum wine that Stephen had sent us. Um, and by the way, speaking of the Lions of Liberty store, guys, we have a t-shirt which has been uh, tearing it up. It's by far our most popular T-shirt that we've ever had, and it is the Taxation is Death T-shirt. Of course, you know we have the Taxation is Death mug, which again, you can find at lionsofliberty.store. But now we've got a T-shirt to match, so you can really make a statement at home on your Zoom meetings. And basically, this T-shirt, it sums up what we're talking about we're, as libertarians, where you know we talk about taxation is theft, and people don't seem to get it, and you get the glazed over eyes... But when you get this T-shirt, which has bombs dropping from a plane made of money, taxation is death. We are laying out exactly what we're talking about. This is government taking this money to murder people with. Can't make it any clearer. So we put it on a T-shirt. So there you go, guys. Again, check that out. And uh, if you join the Lions of Liberty Pride, as so many of you have done, and thank you all. Thank you to all of our new uh, supporting members you also get 15% off at the Lions of Liberty store. So uh, even if you join it for $5 and you don't want to spend the extra dosh to get a free T-shirt or get uh, anything else that we're offering for free on those upper tier levels, you still get 15% off. Join as little as $5 a month. So uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty for that. So yeah, welcome to the cuties edition of Electric Liberty Land. And... As I said, I am watching this movie so that you don't have to. And really, how could I not? Because I just had Chrissy Mayer, comedian and, as I said, uh, Twitter pedophile huntress Chrissy Mayer on the podcast last week talking about child porn being easily find findable, uh, readily available on Twitter, how she's gone out of her way to try to fight that and combat it. Talking about Hollywood pedophiles. We're talking about Jeffrey Epstein and the pedophile ring, which has any number of people in Hollywood and politics, you know, in the, in the hundreds that have been on the planes and flying to Epstein Island and back. And those are people that, I mean, we're not even talking about the broader spectrum of Hollywood pedophiles that are out there. The people that, Corey Feldman is saying, uh, raped he and Corey Haim, the people like, uh, Brian Singer, who has been accused fairly credibly of having sex with a kid, I think as young as 14, This is all alleged. Uh, and also I think it was, God, was it Anthony Bourdain's wife has also been accused of having sex with an underage child. And let us not forget too, that this bleeds into the music industry. We had, uh, Chris Cornell who was trying to fight, you know, child pedophilia who had Whoops, turned up, suicided, hanging from, I believe, a red scarf from a doorknob. So many of these people hanging from doorknobs. Chaz Bennington, apologies if I'm getting that name wrong, as is my way. Gotta stay on brand here on Electric Liberty Land. But I think he was also really pushing to try to expose pedophiles in Hollywood and in the music industry. Again, found suicided. Amazing how these people turn up dead. And Jeffrey Epstein, of course, also suicided. So we'll see if... Uh, Gillane, or, as I like to call her, Gislane shows up dead or not. But regardless, Cuties came out. and I'm sure you've heard about it, and if you haven't, I'll fill you in briefly. But Cuties came out on Netflix as a uh, it's a French film which Netflix bought and licensed in the u s. Now, as of right now, it has something like a one point two ranking on Rotten Tomatoes or on IMDB at least. yet, you have people on the left media defending this as though it's the fucking hill that they have to die on because they're defending it against what they consider conservative slander against a fine upstanding film that's fighting against the patriarchy. Let me dispel that notion immediately and say that this fucking movie in no way is fighting against the patriarchy. And in truth, This movie has a very confusing message, if you could find it. I mean, there is a message here. And I want you to to promise me this. Say it out loud as you're walking through the Home Depot or in front of your children driving them to school or whatever you're doing, teaching them from a Zoom when you're listening to this, pretending to teach them. Um, If you're going to listen to this episode, listen all the way through my review of this film because I am... If nothing else, you know, Dave Smith talks about being the most consistent motherfucker you know. I am the most intellectually honest motherfucker you know, and I'm not going to come at you and give you a bullshit take because I want to go along with everybody that's jumping on the uh, the fuck the cuties bandwagon. That being said, I am on the fuck the cuties bandwagon. However, this is far more nuanced than people might want to believe, and the message behind it is not simply that of child sexualization. So let me say that in the beginning. Listen to everything. Don't turn it off because I said one thing you don't disagree with because that just makes you as bad as every other fucking imbecile out there. So, let's get into it. A movie which I have said, you know, if I <laughs> if I had a way to, uh, to summarize this film in a flippant manner, I would say this is the story of an innocent delivery man framed for pedophilia by a little slut who stole his phone. <laughs> and... <laughs> And you'll see as I go through these notes, because I've got about, I got about two pages of notes here and I'm going to do just like I did with Dave Chappelle when I went through his comedy special, the first one, and then also his uh, 846, you know, as I, as I went through that, I'm going to go through it as I took the notes. And then at the end, I'll go back and kind of summarize my overall thoughts, but you can see where this is going to go. So I'll walk you through it. So first off, it starts off with a young girl. And honestly, I swear to God, I, I got the young girl's name. Her name is Amy or Amelia, which uh, oddly enough was what we were debating naming my daughter. <laughs> my beautiful daughter was going to be named Amelia. Glad I dodged that bullet. Actually, my wife dodged that bullet because she had Googled uh, top names and it was like top, top name, even though nobody we knew would be named Amelia. It must be some cultural zeitgeist. No, it's probably not the right word. Um, so it starts off with Amy, right? And she is a young black girl from a Senegalese Senegalese family. And they are, of course, black Muslim. So they're very devout and religious. And of course, in this culture, you have women being subservient to men. It's the same thing in Nigeria and a lot of these African countries that are Muslim. You have women and of course, and broader Muslim, really, if we're talking about that faith. So you've got this, this girl living in a Muslim household. She's you know, the headscarves and all that stuff. You've got, a. they call her auntie. I'm not sure if it's her aunt or her grandmother lives with them and it's the mother. The husband is out in Senegal, I guess, on work for some other reason. And you find out fairly early that this guy is going to take a second wife. Okay, so just keep that in mind. But it starts off... You know, they're going out to the market and and it's such a typical no gender, uh, you know, don't make don't make uh, boys and girls wear, wear specific clothing pandering because the little boy that's her brother wants to wear a headscarf as they all go out and they make a big deal of saying, oh, let him wear it. It's okay." You know, fine. whatever. she wants to wear a headscarf. What the fuck do I care? But she's going out and she sees some little girl in her apartment building dancing in the laundry room in skin tight leather pants. And dancing around all sexy, you know, in those leather pants. Because, you know, every 11-year-old, you, you buy him leather pants. Why not? So she's like, oh, interesting. Okay, I guess she hasn't seen this before. Um, maybe they just moved to France. Although they seem to be speaking French the entire time. I don't. And apparently, and I don't know why this is in here, <laughs> but apparently this girl is also some sort of weird, small way, high-functioning autistic because out of nowhere, her brother wants some cereal and she's like, okay. And he goes, count how many there are. And she goes, one, two, three, four, eight, 225. And then that plot line, that little, she's got some sort of counting superpower. Is This girl, hyper intelligent is never talked about again. Never mentioned. Nothing about uh, autism speaks. No, that superpower is never utilized again in the movie. So again, why the fuck was it in there? Moving forward. So they go to the school, right? This girl gets to school and she sees a bunch of girls that are dancing around. It's the the little, uh, the little, you know, sexy dancing girl who's like, I guess Colombian-esque looking and a little blonde girl and a black chick. They're all dancing around along with the, kind of a chunky Latina girl and they're doing sexy dances. Then they all stop and they pose in the middle in these kind of sexy, poses as if uh, you'd paused the music video, right? And the teacher comes out and she says, get out of here, you. And they go, freedom of expression, Diana, whatever that means in French. Freedom of expression. And they're reprimanded, but I guess whatever. They say, okay, freedom of expression. Maybe these girls are, are, uh, should be able to wear what they want in school. Fine, moving on. So the young girl, Amy, after seeing these girls dressing up like the salutes. She decides to start experimenting with dressing slutty herself and showing her belly off because all these girls are showing their midriffs off and uh, and wearing crop tops, right? So she steals, I'm sorry, she takes her little brother's shirt, starts wearing this, and starts hiking up her clothes when she's going to school, right? At home, she pretends as though she's not. She's still keeping a secret, but then she's when she's going off to school. She's trying to wear this crop top and emulate these other girls. She steals a delivery guy's cell phone to take slutty pictures with. And this is a guy who's helping us. It's the uncle of the new wife that her husband, or that her father's marrying. He's bringing shit over to their apartment. So she decides as she's helping him bring stuff in that she's going to steal his phone. And she's going to use that to take slutty pictures of herself and also post them to social media. And apparently this guy, right, doesn't turn his phone off loses it and doesn't use find my phone or another affiliated app to instantly find his phone or call his phone or turn it the fuck off. No, it stays on. Just keep that in the back of your mind. So flash forward, the, uh, these girls, they're, they're little bitches for being honest. All, you know, these, these little, uh, sexy dancing chicks are all little bitches. They're mean. They are mean girls. So they start to tear into this girl as she approaches them and, and asks them what they're doing. You know, this Amy girl, they start to rip into her and make fun of her and, you know, push her around and slap books out of her hand. And uh, but, you know, at least one's black and one's Latin. So it's not a hate crime that <laughs> they're yelling at this Senegalese girl. So then she has a little blah, blah bonding moment with the uh, the leader of the, uh, the cuties, the dancing cuties, is what they call their dance troupe. Because they're in the same building in the laundry room. They have a little bonding moment. The girl's running away from some guy. And she's like, oh, you think I have to wash your laundry just because I'm a girl and not pay me? Again, kind of rah-rah, meaningless women-men stuff. Or I guess women being taken advantage of uh, and doing, uh, I don't know, household labor. So she finally has a friend in the group. And then she gets introduced to the rest of the girls and they're looking around, they're standing around in the bathroom and she's in the stall and she comes out and the girls are all looking at dick pics, literal dick pics on the phone. And they dare this chick to go into the boys room and take a picture of another boy's dick again, which she tries to do, by the way. She goes into the bathroom as this guy's got his wiener out peeing and she tries to take a video of him and he chases her out. Again, I feel really bad for this fucking poor delivery guy, who now is basically 100% going to be arrested for being a pedophile, now having selfies of this 11-year-old little girl on his phone and having gone into a bathroom, as far as the police know, to take a video of a little boy peeing. So <laughs> this, this guy is good and proper fucked. So the comeback, Right. They, the lead cutie uh, is, I'm sorry, or Amy is now looking on her own in her bedroom because this phone's still not turned off, looking at a video in the bedroom of a bunch of ghetto booty girls twerking and dancing in the bed, you know, like they're, they're in a rap video, these older chicks shaking their asses, all this stuff. And I wrote to myself, let the slutting begin. So they, the, the cuties start to, to dance sexy and emulate the moves they see in the videos, right? And they're really terrible at first. And they start to booty shame Amy for having a flat butt, which, uh, you know, these girls, because they see these these big asses in the videos. So she starts being enamored with watching the big booty rap videos on the stolen phone. The girls are now, you know, getting into emulating the moves. They go in the woods, they're palling around. And with the only funny scene in the entire movie, one of the young cuties finds a condom and doesn't realize what it is and starts to blow it up like a balloon. (laughs) So the girls all say that she's got the AIDS, and uh, then there's kind of a funny scene where they're washing her mouth out with soap, like literally washing her and doing all this shit, scrubbing her face with a sponge. That's pretty fun. So they get into tra- the training now, right? Because there's a dance competition coming up. And uh, they gotta get ready. Okay, yeah, we have a dance competition. we're gonna we're gonna really uh, slut it up at this contest. But record scratch, it found out. It's found out that the cutie has been dancing and her parents say they're ashamed of her, right? Uh, I'm sorry, not the uh, not the girl Amy, the leader of the cutie's group, this little Colombian girl, her parents found out and she they say she's ashamed of her, but quote, she has a gift, right? Which I could see little girls being conned into this kind of thinking, right? Even though the parents are rightly sh- ashamed of this girl. Because this girl's out there at age 11, emulating these much older women, dressing like older women, acting like she is a sex object. Obviously, the parents are going to be concerned. But this little girl is convinced that she has a gift and she has to give this gift to the world, right? Because this is just expression after all. So the main girl, right? The day of the dance tryouts for this, uh, this dance competition is asked by Auntie, a.k.a. Grandma, I still don't know what the fuck is she is, an auntie or grandma, to cook for the father's wedding. They have to prepare food, right? So she rushes and she's helping the grandma and she's like, oh, I have to cut all these onions. She's like, yes, I'm going to teach you to be a woman and we're going to cook for your wedding. It's a you know tradition that the woman does it. Fine. So she helps her out. She's chopping onions, right? Then in another scene that makes no fucking sense, She runs over, she's getting her shit ready because she wants to make it to the dance uh, tryouts and not let her team cutie mates down. And she sees on her wedding dress that her father got her, blood coming out of the stomach area and running down the sides, right? Coming out, and you, you go, okay, clearly that's supposed to be coming out of the uterus. This is a hallucination. We have had zero hallucinations in any other time in the movie. Zero other metaphorical, metaphysical happenings. There hasn't been any fucking Egon Spengler coming through with the EKG. We haven't seen bookshelves fall over, nor a librarian ghost to this point. But for no reason, we now see blood coming out of this dress because she now has had her period. So she goes to runs to the dance trouts and misses them. And the girls are all pissed off again. Record scratch. Whoa, no. And we find out she got her period for reals when she gets home. See, she's actually got blood coming out and all that good stuff you want to see out of an 11 year old. So (laughs) I made a note to myself here that this movie is boring. And by the way, this movie is fucking boring and long. It's like an hour and 40 minutes long and fucking boring. So then the girls, they forgive her. She says, oh, you don't understand. I had to do this and that and the other one. And you know, and now her auntie says, oh, she's a real woman now. But well, whatever. So she explains to the girls what happened. And the lead cutie says, I believe her. Don't get mad at her. So they welcome her back in the group. They go break into laser tag. And they're running around the laser tag place. And the security guard stops them. And these little bitches... Then tried to say that he was groping them. All he's trying to do, he grabs one girl by the arm because they're like, try, you know, like fight, kind of fighting with him and yelling at him. And he's trying to get him out of the laser tag they snuck into. So she goes, oh, this guy's been groping me. Le gropa! Or this, I don't know. La gropa! <laughs> what if you say grope in France? Uh, in frog. So I should ask JB. He's French. So anyway, these, these little pieces of shit are trying to get this security guard fired by lying to his manager. And then for no reason... Amy decides... Oh, I'm sorry. It's not for no reason. Then they they find out they were accepted into the dance competition. So Amy, the head uh, little black chick, she starts to gyrate around and do a crazy sexy dance in the laser tag place and the manager of the place, who comes over to see what the ruckus is about, starts leering at her as she's sexy dancing and the security guard's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But the cuties leave. Okay. Moving forward. The, uh... (laughs) They now we get a again, this is where it really gets overly sexual and is very uncomfortable. And and why I think this this movie confuses me as to who the audience is. So now there's a long video montage still using the same guy's cell phone, taping this music video of them sensually dancing on the stairwell with close ups of their legs, posing with their faces and makeup, cr- you know, fucking zoom-ins on their crotches and on their gyrating asses. I mean, this is not okay. And then they cut to them also doing close-ups on them, kind of sucking their fingers and like tonguing their lips around. This is not okay. And we're really, really exposed to it for a good four minutes, I'd say, four to five minutes of them doing this music video shit, which then, of course, they post to social media. And you can see they're getting addicted to social media now, right? This girl, this lead girl, Amy, who never had a cell phone before. And I guess the other girls don't really have cell phones either, except one girl's a shitty one. She's uploading these videos of them being super sexual and it's getting all these likes, right? So she's getting into it. She's really liking it. Meanwhile, this poor fucking guy whose cell phone this is now is choreographing sexy dances from 11 year olds. This poor man. Ross Albrecht is serving two consecutive life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag free Ross. free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Yeah, that is the intro to free. Hashtag Free Ross. A song. A song. A song. <laughs> Tell me a song if you ain't a man. Fucking drunk Brian in the subway trying to make a few dollars. Yes, that is a song by Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, a buddy of ours. And uh, he has put all of the proceeds that are going to be coming from this song, all of the sales, any of the downloads he gets, all of that money is going towards freeing Ross Ulbricht and fighting against victimless crime, especially I mean, compared to everything in the world. We've got Ross Ulbricht sitting in there for providing a platform for people to trade goods voluntarily, non-violently, absolutely absurd. So Tyler's putting all of the money into supporting him, trying to help those legal fees out, trying to raise awareness. Guys, you can even just play this to help the algorithm. Just play it on mute while you sleep on your computer. It all helps. So go follow Crypto Man. Give Tyler Colford a shout out. And remember, hashtag free 50, Ross. for each in the clink. I said land of the free, escape goats and sheep. We spent 50- Ross Ulbricht in jail for uh, providing a platform for voluntary interactions and trade. The producers of cuties still not in jail. Okay, getting back into cuties, guys. So, like I said, this phone still hasn't been fucking turned off. The data still hasn't been turned off. So, she's uploading these crazy videos, all this other shit. Now, they go to school, and the sweetie swags, which is a group of girls who are slightly older than the cuties, I would say two or three years older. Maybe the cuties are 11. These girls, let's say, are 14. They're also sexy dancing. Arguably also at too young of an age, but they're hanging out talking to the dude that they tried to take a dick pic of. And one girl throws a can at a trash can near the cuties and misses. Right. And Amy decides that she now has to run over and attack this girl out of nowhere, which she does. Again, a great, great life lesson, you know, for how you want to be. Then she goes back to the apartment, right? Cause she gets, she gets in a fight with this girl and her, Leather pants, because she's wearing fucking tight leather pants. Her leather pants get pulled down and people can see that she's got raggedy underpants on. So what does she do? Well, Amy decides the best thing to do would be to go home, steal her mother's money out of a drawer to the tune of hundreds of uh, euros or, you know, I, I presume euros. And then go on a shopping spree with her and all of her cutie friends at which they buy tons of thongy underpants and bras and all sorts of other shit. And I guess maybe they also bought some dance costumes. Lovely. So another good life lesson, you know, buy slutty clothes for all your friends with the money from your poor family uh, that could use it and then lie about it and frame your brother, (laughs) which is what happened. Cause I guess she bought him a drone that he could fly around to shut him up and he gets seen with it and asks where he found it. And she immediately throws him under the bus. So, finally, the guy comes back, right? The delivery guy whose phone she's had for fuck knows how many weeks now without him turning it off. He finally comes back to get his phone and he's trying to get it from her. And what does she do? Well, he grabs it and she like kicks him and bites him and he drops the phone. She grabs it, runs inside the door and locks herself into the bathroom. And now something that really makes no sense happens. He's banging on the door, and instead of giving the phone back or sitting there quietly, she frantically pulls her pants down and takes a picture of her 11-year-old privates and uploads them to social media. There is no excuse for her doing this. There's no rationale provided. There is no reasoning behind it. The only thing I could think of in the moment is: Is she trying? Is she cognizant that this guy will be framed for being a fucking pedophile if she does this, and she'll somehow be able to keep his phone? Which, of course, if you're cognizant enough to frame a guy for for pedophilia, you probably would presume that they're going to take his phone away. But I don't know this this autistic genius eleven year old girl. Maybe she just doesn't understand that many steps ahead. Um, But she uploads this picture of her of her vag to social media for no reason. Then she goes to school. The guy goes away, doesn't say, Hey mom, your daughter or call the family and like, get that fucking phone back. It's my phone. And now the cops are after me. uh, And I'm a wanted man on the run for being a pedophile. Instead of doing any of that, he just goes away. Next day she goes to school. Of course, she uploaded a picture of her private parts to social media Everybody in school sees it. A kid makes fun of her, uh, you know, for being, and I think he calls her like a whore or something like that. And she stabs him through the hand with a pencil. (laughs) A little bit of an extreme reaction considering you uploaded your own picture. So moving forward They send her home, they call her mom, the principal, you know, the school tells the the mom what happened. The mom loses her shit appropriately and starts whacking the girl with a shoe. Uh, She's telling her that she's, you know, I can't believe you did this. You were so so ashamed. You brought shame on the family. They do this weird purification ceremony, which must be some Muslim thing where she's standing, little Amy is standing in a a tight yellow t-shirt and her underpants and they're throwing water on her And at some point, she starts shaking around and shimmering like she's fucking possessed at a Baptist church and gyrating on the floor. And again, looks like she's fucking twerking. So even this is like over-sexualized in this movie. And of course, we've got close-ups of her fucking underweared 11-year-old ass shaking around during this. It's very off-putting. So... Now the girls reject her, right? The other cuties reject her because she posted this thing and and rightly so. What are you thinking, girl? But they reject her for doing this. So now she's got nobody around. Her dad's wedding day comes. And by the way, I'm almost to the end of this. Her dad's wedding day comes and she goes, you know, she's upset because the wedding day is the same day as the competition for sexy 11-year-old girls. I don't know what they call it. Pedophilia Eurovision 2020, whatever the fuck they call it. So she grabs her costume, which is hidden out by the train tracks because she can't have her mother see it, right? She flees on her way out the door to get this costume. She knocks over a wedding basket with gifts that have arrived for the happy, happy couple and knocks some glitter into her hair. That's important. So she runs out, puts her costume on, and then on the way to the dance competition, she stops next to a river. And she hides behind a pillar. And at this point, the cuties as they originally began were four girls. It was a uh, bitchy blonde girl, black girl, Colombian girl, and fat Latina girl, right? Fat Latina girl either got pushed out of the group or had gone off somewhere and, and just came back. Maybe she was gone for, I don't know, two weeks or something like that. So she's back. And now that Amy's on the outs for posting a vagina picture... This Latina girl is back in the fold as the fourth cutie for the competition, which Amy had worked so hard to get into. So what does Amy do? Amy hides behind a pillar, waits for this girl to walk by, and shoves her into the river. But the girl can't swim. So she just starts drowning. She's stinking like a stone. She's trying to, you know, push her way up. She's trying to to bob her way to the surface. Amy's just sitting there kind of like, oh, shit, that's too bad. Doesn't jump in to help remind you. Doesn't seem to have that much remorse about this. The girl eventually makes her way to a buoy that's floating in the water nearby and is sitting there panting and wheezing. And Amy, instead of being like, ah, oh, you know, that's pretty bad that I just did that, she decides that she's going to run off for the competition anyway. So she does. Race is over. And that's when you really get some super gratuitous 11-year-old sexy dancing, um, again, gyrating, Full-on, you know, girls bending over, full bore, grabbing their crotches from behind, super super close ups of their genitals through the uh, the dance outfits. Just, I mean, really grotesque, upsetting shit to see eleven year olds doing. But on the bright side, the crowd is booing this. The crowd is full of mothers and parents and other children, and they are actively booing the cuties and their centralized sexy dancing. Okay, good. So we're seeing that the moral isn't that they should be sexy dancers. The moral is that people don't like this, that this is wrong. And you're seeing that from the crowd, except for, of course, they have to have one leering white guy in there, one one leering white man in the crowd who, of course, is like, yeah. Even that wasn't that pronounced, though. So, in the middle of this, right, Amy starts to realize, you know, she, she shakes her head forward doing a dance move because even though they're getting booed, these girls don't give a fuck. They're just still dancing. They're like, we don't care. We're so fly. We have a gift. So, they keep going. Amy has some of the glitter fall out of her hair from the wedding thing, right? And she's standing there. And then they play the African, traditional African music. Uh, as she's hearing in her head. She starts crying and she races off stage and she runs back to her house for the wedding. And she gets inside and auntie starts to say, you're an embarrassment. Go get out of that. You look like a whore, which is exactly correct. <laughs> yes, auntie, up five, now on the down low. <laughs> and then the mom comes in and goes, don't yell at my daughter. And then she's like, oh, it's okay. You know, you know go get changed. Which again, I I, uh, I, I don't understand the message there. You're sticking up for your daughter because she's an idiot uh, after stealing your money instead of being upset with her. I don't know. So she changes clothes, right? She goes, you think she's going to go to the wedding. She's she's still upset because her father's marrying a second wife and her and her mother's upset by that. But she decides she's, instead of going in, she's going to walk downstairs. She misses the wedding, but she walks outside and now she starts playing hopscotch, or not hopscotch, she starts playing uh, double dutch, with some members of her family, younger members of her family that are jumping rope outside. So she jumps rope like a normal girl with her relatives and we pull out as she's jumping rope and it goes up high and we keep seeing her face and that's the end of the movie. So, here are the questions. What the fuck was the point of this movie? That's probably the biggest question. Second question, why the fuck did Netflix buy it and think it was worthy of buying? Three, what audience is this addressing to? Because, I mean, look, a lot of the people, as I said, this is why I wanted you guys to listen to the entire, entire review so you know what happened in the movie. Clearly, the message of the movie is not that girls should go out there and be sex objects. I mean, that much is made very clear by the booing at the end, by the, um, the girl having such remorse by showing what a horrible piece of shit Amy became. And again, what happened to this guy and his poor fucking phone? Who's definitely going to be arrested for pedophilia, which is why I think my earlier description still fits the bill. A poor delivery man is framed for pedophilia by a young slut. But what is the point here? Cause because if your audience like this, this movie might make sense if your audience. You say, "Okay, well, we're trying to scare girls straight, right?" But that doesn't make sense because you're not going to have a young audience watch it. It's hypersexualized. It's got a TV mature rating, so it should be 15 year olds and up. Now, granted, you're, that means parents actually have to take an active role in parenting, which is few and far between nowadays. Although, hopefully, now with the uh, the Zoom environment and more homeschooling, that'll change. But that would require parents to, to actively stop their children from watching this movie. But clearly not for kids. But, but at the same time, it probably would have made a lot more sense had it not been so hypersexualized to target it towards kids, especially with the ending with the girl and jump rope. See, okay, so then it was targeted towards adults. If that's the case, adults also don't need to see. This fucking blatant over the top sexualization of children, replete with close ups of their goddamn privates, which you can see through the clothing. We don't need to see that shit. It is gratuitous and unnecessary. The point could have been made far more simply without having this hypersexualization uh, visible. You know? We don't need to see every nook and cranny. Whoops, this banged my mic. You don't need to see every nook and cranny. We get it. But I mean, the moral message of it, as I have long said, social media is fucking cancer, which it is. Trying to keep young girls and young, uh, young anybody off of social media so they don't get addicted to that world. Trying to teach the lesson that if you upload something like that, like this private picture, which I still don't know why she would ever do that. But if you upload this picture of yourself, it's going to get out there. It's going to, you know, it's going to shame you. It will find its way back to you. I'm down with that message. I'm down with the message that you should not be idolizing these women that are out there hypersexualizing uh, their bodies necessarily, or at least not at a young age. Meanwhile, I have no problem with porn. I have no problem with uh, r and videos. I have no problem with strippers. I have no problem with women using their looks to get ahead or get attention. I'm for all of those things, all of them, just not for eleven year olds. So that message is good. Now this, this, the thing that also confuses me is you try to say, what is the message here? That clearly is the message, even though it's convoluted and told in a way that is offsetting and disturbing and doesn't make me want to ever see this movie again, nor would I recommend it to anybody because there's far better ways to talk to people than to make them sit through a fucking quasi, uh, quasi, uh, softcore porn with 11 year olds. But I'm seeing some people on the left say this is an anti patriarchy movie definitively is not. This is the height of stupidity of trying to defend something that is rightly being criticized by conservatives by trying to tie in intersexual bullshit to it and try to say that it's tied into patriarchal thinking and somehow that this is an anti, uh, you know, like, yes, it takes place within the framework of a Muslim family from Africa, which is going to be men are the boss, women are subservient. And you've seen that, I mean, I mean, You know, Rico and Odie and I do our Bravo and Beer show where we watch reality TV and just, you know, talk shit about it from a man's perspective, basically a man's show about these Bravo and TLC shows. And there's a show, you know, there's a couple that goes to Nigeria and this one, you know, kind of big, fat, white, entitled American chick goes over to Nigeria and it's all, you know, they take multiple wives and the woman is subservient to the man. But the thing you do get about that is that the women there seem to be perfectly fucking fine with it. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of violence necessarily, at least not that I've seen on the show. They all seem to be pretty okay with the way it's set up. Now, granted, a lot of those women also aren't working. You know, they're they're stay-at-home mothers, they're stay-at-home wives, they're cooking, they're raising the kids, but they seem to enjoy their lives. And the women are the ones actually actively pushing, at least in the 90 Day Fiances I've seen, they're pushing more than the men the lifestyle. And in the same movie that we that I just watched Cuties, you're seeing auntie push that same thing. She's telling her daughter, "Look, you got to call people and tell people this is our custom. Your husband's taking a second wife. Be a woman and call people and tell them and you know, this is the way we live. This is the custom. This is our religion. This is how we've been brought up. If you don't like it, I guess leave." But you're seeing women push that so to say this is some an anti, anti-patriarchy movie and that the man, you don't even see the father in the entire fucking movie, by the way, it's all, this movie is almost entirely women, is absurd. It doesn't make any fucking sense. To say that, you know, doing a, a, making a wedding dinner, which is, I guess, the again, the cultural thing, the women would make the wedding dinner and the, the grandmother and the daughters and the wives. I don't know. That doesn't seem like patriarchy. It seems like a cultural thing. I mean, for fuck's sake, we, I'm sure we have customs that are very similar in the United States where people do that. I mean, growing up, my you know my mother would make Thanksgiving dinner, and now you know I do it with my wife because I was a cook. I like doing it. I think what's changed is not so much that women are resentful that they had to make this meal. I know there's a lot of women that still greatly enjoy cooking and a lot of women that still greatly enjoy being homemakers and don't necessarily want to go in the workplace. And That's an active choice in this country. But yeah, I don't know. I, the whole patriarchy tie-in is just complete fucking bullshit. So long story short, I hope you got a little bit of insight into this movie. I don't think it is categorically evil. I don't think it was setting out necessarily to sexualize 11-year-olds, but that is what it did. And when you're watching it, even though the morals at the end might be something that we agree with, the road to get there is so paved with depravity uh, and, and just vulgar off this that it is not an enjoyable journey, nor one that I said I would recommend anybody take. So I think the criticism it is getting is very, very well warranted. And seeing people on the left throw themselves in front of this as though they have to take a fucking bullet for this film, which is fucking not a good film anyway. It's not a good film. It's fucking boring. It's stupid. And the only reason you're seeing them defend it is because conservatives raves a ruckus, which is part of the thing that's just so maddening. This is where we are as a society, where we can't just agree, this is fucked up. No, we have to defend something clearly fucked up, because God forbid people we don't like call it out as being fucked up before we do. And we now, I'm saying we, we as in the Democrats, not we as in you and me, but these Democrats now have to, they find themselves in the position of defending sexualizing 11-year-old girls because somehow they have to justify it being tied into women's lib or, uh, or some broader feminine perspective, which it is not. Just awful. And of course, you know, when you look at this as far as Hollywood being full of pedophiles, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, Hollywood politics being full of pedophiles, all these, these undercurrents where normalization of pedophilia has been something the left has been pushing for a while now. Now, I will say I have gone on record and I believe John Rodermatt has as well saying that there are laws that need to be changed in regards to people being put on sex trafficking lists and on on a pedophile list. For example, the Romeo Juliet situations where you have kids that are 16 uh, sends a dick pic to or not even sends it could get a picture of his girlfriend like fucking Amy in this movie takes snaps pic of her vag, sends it to a guy that is one year older than her. But now you're in violation of statutory rape laws. Now you're in violation of X, Y, and Z because of really what is a very thin and badly drawn line. But now that person is on a watch list for the rest of his life, can't get a job the rest of his life, living in fucking trailers the rest of his life because he's just a felon who's a sexual convict. Not ideal. But at the same time, we can't say that you need to normalize pedophilia and these people have been pushing this shit. No, I'm not going to go down Conspiracy Corner Lane here. I'll leave that to my buddies who do that for our Patreon uh, group. Conspiracy Corner is a regular show that we do. But with Gislaine Maxwell's uh, testimony coming up where she seems to be willing to name names with all these investigations, I heard Ellen is complicit in this now and being thrown out there and that's why she really lost her show, not because of a quote-unquote abuse by producers. You are you, I won't say are, you may be seeing them desperately trying to lay the groundwork to make pedophilia okay because they know that so many of them are going to be tied up in this scandal and that pedophilia, uh, pedophilia has been accepted in Hollywood for a long, long time that a lot of these younger actors get ahead because of that. And their parents are very willing to sell them out for the money that that would bring in and maybe convince themselves it's for the best for their children. Somehow getting fucked by a producer is for the best because that'll really pave the way in gold, let alone give them, you know, nightmare psychological trauma and possibly induce suicide. So there you go. That's a long way to go for a cuties review, guys. But, you know, this is something that was very top of mind. Everybody's talking about it. I watched the goddamn thing. So you are now going to experience it (laughs) by virtue of my voice. Okay, but I do want to talk about a couple of the things in this episode, guys. Um, you know, this is related. I just talked about suicides of young people and how social media is cancer, but youth suicide rates up 57% over the last 10 years. 57%. Now, this is, this is pre-lockdown. I wouldn't be surprised if that went even higher because kids are home all the time now. You're having more abuse at home, sexual and uh, just physical abuse. You're having people that are literally on social media every day, all day now. So, of course, you're going to have suicide rates go up. I've tied in, and I feel very confident in tying this in the mass shootings that have happened from younger people to social media use, to bullying, to uh, isolation. Which is funny. I mean, it's almost like a. <laughs> it's almost like a. Uh, what am I thinking of the word? Not oxymoron. Uh, I'm the moron. I can't think of the word. This is what happens when you have a brain as insanely intelligent as mine, guys. There's just so many words in there. It's hard to pull one out sometimes. But you do have an interesting little uh, dichotomy going wherein you have so much information, you have so much access to all the people in the world, right? You you can talk to friends that you haven't seen in 15 years, but... It's all online. It's all pinging with social. We talk more or we text more than we talk. We're on social media communicating. We're providing a very specific filtered vision of the world. And we're also being fed a specific filtered version of the world. We're being fed either the best news we've ever heard or consistently the worst news. There's no in between. There's no nuance. This is a very isolating environment. And so you're seeing these suicide rates go up because kids are either being fed that the world is going to end by Greta fucking shitbag Thurnberg. Or they're being fed that all of their friends are living the best possible lives that they've ever ever experienced. That their world is beautiful. That they are beautiful. That you know all their secretly photoshopped pictures that they're posting portray a vision of society that they will never have. Right? This poor uh, mass shooter, or just a random girl that's twelve years old uh, and what is that middle school? I guess at that point, not even sure. But you are seeing people that young kill themselves. And it is without a doubt a product of our uh, parents checking out, parents being too involved in their own social media and in the the uh, gossamer, I don't even know what you want to call, it, the shimmer and the sheen of social media and making sure that they are portraying a fanciful version of their lives to the world rather than actually paying attention to the problems that happen within their own households and with their own children. And you've got these kids that are just fucking lost souls. All right, moving on. With that happy note. Um, got some bad news and some good news. I'll go back and forth. So the bad news, CDC has an eviction moratorium. I was talking to one of our listeners about this just because he's in a group that is, uh, you know, is, they're an ownership group that has a lot of properties that rental rental properties. And the CDC has basically put a moratorium on evictions now. And if you try to evict somebody, you can get up to $100,000 in fines and a year in jail for noncompliance. This is, I, I don't understand how these people can go this far. We now are seeing more states open up. The lockdowns are easing. However, they're forcing people not to evict tenants for non-paying. I mean, how are you supposed to pay your own bills? Not everybody's got a giant bank. I mean, I talked to this, about this on the show before. If you don't have a massive bank that's willing to give you a, a, a bit of a break on it, how are you going to pay your own bills? I mean, is the is the CDC presuming that these people just have a bunch of money saved up, that, oh, it's no problem. You know, you could go six months without fucking any sort of income from your tenants. It's madness. I don't even know how it's legal. The CDC can put a fucking moratorium on evictions? That seems absolutely insane to me. Ah, anyway, moving on. Good news I'm going to do quick because I, I went real long in that cutie shit. When I get a rambling, you know me. Um, a U.S. court found that mass surveillance as exposed by Edward Snowden was illegal. Thank you. Thank you. Only, what, seven, eight years later? Thanks, guys, for weighing in on that. That amazing revelation on shit that we already knew. But still, nice to see it. Let's talk a little bit about the Bob Woodward interview with Donald Trump. I have not listened to all, but I've read some of the little transcripts Number 1, Bob Woodward is an embarrassment. I um you know, was it All the King's Men? I think is the movie that had uh, Robert ah fuck who said it. Not Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford and I think Dustin Hoffman. I think does it or maybe it was Gene Hackman instead of Robert Redford. Anyway, it's a movie about Woodward and Bernstein and the Nixon tapes. It's a great movie. And I think that they did good work then. But what has happened to Bob Woodward has just become embarrassing. I mean, almost, it, talk about just shitting on your legacy by being an absolute worthless hack. I mean, Bob Woodward was out there pushing the Russiagate conspiracy, saying that he had information, saying that Trump was obviously a Russian asset, this, that Russia had stolen the election, pushing every debunked conspiracy theory. And yet, this man who should be a fucking laughingstock And be viewed as a senile old fool after the last couple of things that he did in regards to this, you know, just basic broad reporting to then have him go do interviews with Donald Trump, who I guess Lindsey Graham said, go ahead and do it. What a fucking moron that was. Good advice. Why would you trust Bob Woodward, who hates Donald Trump with hours upon hours of fucking interviews, like 40 hours of interviews with Trump for a book called Rage? You didn't see that coming, Lindsey? You lispin' moron? So, Bob Woodward, though, does all these interviews with Trump. And Trump tells him in one interview that, he, yes, he thought the virus was more deadly than he let on. But then Trump said, well, I didn't want to panic people. I don't want to scare people, right? This is what Trump said after defending his response. Because he said in, in the interview that he knew it was more deadly than he let on. So, People are criticizing Bob Woodward, rightly so, saying, okay, so you, this this journalist, right, this guy that's so fucking ethical, you did this interview with Trump where he says that he knows that virus is more deadly than he's letting on, and then you sit on it for six months to publish in your fucking shitty book. What does that say about you? Now, the left, of course can't criticize Woodward, who they've elevated to some sort of God, as though his name recognition alone makes him right and erases the lies of the past. But regardless, here's my take on this. If you're a rational thinking human being, you look at it, and again, nobody on the left is, uh, half the independents aren't, and half people on the right are, are complete morons and not rational thinkers. But I try to be a rational thinker and, like I said, intellectually honest. If you're looking at this honestly, what exactly would Trump have done? If he had locked down the country at first get-go, nothing would have changed. Nothing would have changed. We've seen the statistics. We've seen the comparisons between countries that locked down and those who didn't. Peru, the one with the absolute tightest lockdowns and China with the tightest They have the same spikes. Peru has been the country affected most, most deaths per capita. The United States was going to get hit hard regardless. We have massive cities, some of the biggest cities in the entire world. They're going to be hit. We have massive infrastructure. We have a massive economy. We have goods and services. We have people in packing plants. You're going to have deaths because of it. Now, again, we could point out how predominantly You know, over 50% or 60% of the deaths were from elderly in homes. And of those remaining, a lot of them were comorbidities. You know, there's that stat out there, but only something like 6,000 people had died purely from COVID. And on top of that, we also know that the stats are being fudged, that we're seeing massive amounts of stats that are being marked down as COVID deaths because they get $15,000 per death marked as COVID in a lot of these hospitals. So you're seeing people that have fallen down drunk and bashed their head die of quote-unquote COVID. You're seeing gunshot victims, car accident victims being marked down as COVID does. So we know it's a lot of bullshit. So if Trump knew it was deadlier than he let on, right? Their argument is that he should have locked down earlier. My argument is that it would have done nothing. And if anything, it would have made the circumstances surrounding everything else that's gone wrong. And we're seeing already people doing studies in how it is inevitable that the outcome of the lockdowns will be vastly worse than the death count from COVID itself. There's no comparison, no comparison, how much worse the economic outcome will be, how many more deaths there will be from people not going to the emergency room, uh, you know, cancer deaths, kidney deaths, whatever, you know, whatever deaths there are, the people just not going in for general checkups and not going in for, for this, that, and the other that would have caught a lot of things that are diseases or that people didn't get treated for a heart you know, heart failures uh, that they would have usually gone in for. So for me, I don't give a fuck about this. If anything, I think Trump moved too fast. And I also understand, as would any logical person, how we saw the panic that happened. We saw fucking grocery stores being stripped clean in the first couple of weeks of this thing coming out. So Trump should have panicked people more. He should have gone out and rang the bell and said, get your gun, run for the hills. Where would we have been then? We're just, then we're just even in a deeper fucking crux where we can't find toilet paper or food or baby wipes. I couldn't get fucking diapers. That's what you want. These leftist shitheads, that's what you want. You, and, and you've got people saying that, oh, well, he could have saved 100,000 lives. No, he fucking couldn't have. Absolutely fucking not. Total bullshit. The people who died, like I said, most of those people were likely to die anyway. They were either on death's door or they were already in old folks' homes. Regardless, they were in trouble. Locking down earlier would have done nothing. Zero statistical difference between countries that locked down and those who didn't. Fucking stupid. And then you got assholes continuing on this trail of, oh, whoa is us. So, you know, the LA County health director, I was talking to my wife about this one, caught on tape, and this is a, a Barbara, not Barbara Fauci, but she sounds, his name kind of sounds like it. She's on tape saying that schools likely won't open until after the election. What a convenient milestone to use, right? And it's like when I was hanging out, I was talking to me and Mark and Jason Stapleton were hanging out, uh, grabbing some drinks at a little Irish pub, Uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And I was talking to Jason. like, when do you think this shit's going to go away? And again, go away be the operative term. And he said, oh yeah, it's going to go on. I I think the election, it'll be gone. He goes either right before the election or right after the election. It'll just go away. And this chick seems to be indicating that that will be the case because this is a very politically guided thing. We've already got the death counts. They're hitting like negligible amounts at this point. The cases keep going up because young people are going back to work and they're getting tested all the time. And again, if you test positive for coronavirus, by the way, it's just any coronavirus for almost the majority of like 90% of these tests that they're doing. So even that doesn't indicate COVID. But of course, you're going to see cases go up because they're testing far more and you're having former young people get it and get tested for it. Young people who get over it or have no symptoms. Most of these people are asymptomatic that have it right now and (laughs) are coming back positive anyway. As the deaths go down and as hospitals are not overrun, you they, now across the United States, there's no problem with ICU beds. We, we have thoroughly passed through this. But what a coincidence. Oh, it won't, won't happen until after the election that schools will open again. <laughs> Great. Yeah. He's going to keep people home. Going to fucking play footsie with the goddamn unions for political gain. Obvious. How about this one? A judge declared COVID shutdown unconstitutional in Pennsylvania and the governor Wolf has slammed Trump and state Republicans for fear mongering. Huh? What? Huh? Fear mongering. What are you fucking talking about guy? Wolf has been one of the draconian mayors, like a Gretchen Whitmer style idiot shutting down the fucking economy where it didn't need to be shut down. Trump says, open it back up and he's accusing them of fear mongering. I don't understand in what world this man's brain operates? I mean, literally, we are in two different worlds here, Scott Adams style. Two different goddamn realities with this shit. Here's another one I want to talk about real quick. Oscars, right? And I, I This was going to be the highlight until I decided to watch cuties. But the Oscars, getting back to Hollywood, the Oscars has uh, the Academy of uh, Motion Picture Sciences, who runs the Oscars. They've now released not a mandate, but recommended guidelines and mandates for diversity in any film that is to be considered as an Oscar nominee. Now, they're saying that this is not hard in the paint, right? And, and granted, Hollywood has been, I think, in my opinion, a bit racist over time. You know, it's been slow adopting some uh, some minorities in there. They predominantly did cast white people in a lot of roles. And a lot of television shows, I mean, Christ, look at anything coming out of the 80s and 90s. And yeah, it's pretty much a white cast. But at the same time, now it's just gone full woke nonsense pandering. Because now they have this diversity mandate. And the diversity mandate basically means that they have to, for any film, you have to have X number of gays and X number of trans and X number of blacks and X number of Latinos, which is fucking retarded. Because number one, any number of films that are Oscar winners would never have won. I mean, hey, how about *Parasite*? I was an all-Korean cast. Does that qualify anymore in a country that is 98% uh, you know native Korean? Do you have to ship in black people? Do you have to ship in uh, the the gay brigade? Bringing the gay brigade. We're here for the gay brigade. We're coming to make your Oscar movie. Not my best song, to be honest. Not my best. Thought I'd come up with something funnier halfway through that. Never happened. Oh, how about this? Here comes the gay brigade. We promise we don't have AIDS. We're here for your best way. And we'll be doing anyway. Um, <laughs> so what are they going to do? I mean, they, they just don't get counted anymore. How about just independent films? Do you know how fucking hard it is? This reminds me of like, this is literally the same shit that banks do, that government does. Anytime a, a large organization tries to get in there and put a diversity mandate in, all it does is fuck over the smaller business. So now the Oscars, if you have a great independent film, let's say you're on a shoestring budget out somewhere and you're shooting in the middle of goddamn Kentucky. You have a great idea for a film right? You have a budget of a million dollars. Now, what do you have to do? You have to go and find people that are either not going to be as good as the people that might be there that are you know, probably middle of Kentucky is probably a lot of white, right? So let's say you're predominantly white area. So now you have to find, hire, fly in pay black people and gay people and trans people and let's fly an Asian in. Like this is idiotic. For the sake of diversity, you're going to kill art. Because now, instead of making it, we're going to make a movie, I'm going to cast who I want to cast as the artistic director. Now you have to fill a quota. Now, instead of having the best person get the job or the people that you want in those roles as imagined, now you have to go and have a fucking United Colors of Bennington Bennington cast. Bennington? Bennington. And you can't just cast who you want. It is quite literally... Taking out the basics of the artist's vision and replacing it with the left's vision for a woke future. And now your movie is not going to be Oscar nominated if it's not woke enough. Absolutely pathetic. How about this story? America's post 911 wars, according to a new study, have forced 37 million people from their homes. Not seeing a lot of reporting on that, guys. Tied in with the 9-11 never forgetting. Has there ever been something... And, and look, 9-11 was terrible. I'm not going to go out of my way uh, to point out the obvious that it was, in fact, blowback. But what happened to the people there, the first responders, brings a tear to my eye. I remember when I, I was literally working at Hooters. Yes, I was literally working at Hooters. So at least after it happened, I had something fun to cheer me up. You know, I was tears in my eyes watching the twin towers and, uh, and then walked out and I was like, eh, at least there's the boobies at least we'll always have boobies. But um, yeah, I mean, w- what happened to the people in there, the first responders fucking horrible, but like anything, has there ever been a rallying cry of never forget used to justify more murder, more liberties being taken away from us? And this is like through everything. It's the rallying cry of never forget, you know, the fucking rallying cry now of Black Lives Matter is never forget George Floyd as they move ahead and continuously riot and tear down and all this other shit. I mean, the cry of never forget is a very powerful reminder to people that allows them to erase your liberties and allows them free reign to fuck you over. So let's never forget that while we're looking back to 9-11. Uh, how about this one real quick? Uh, yeah, two quick stories. We'll do this, then the end of the week, then we're going to wrap it up here. NFL fans at the Kansas city game Kansas city played, who did they play the fucking Texans. They did the hoopla, which I could not stand. And I'm not going to go too into this. We're going to talk about it on degenerate gamblers. The show I do with Rico and Odie, where we tell stories Get drunk and then make some bets. Uh, we will talk about the NFL's first game and the fucking woke bullshit that was there that made me turn off the goddamn pregame show. But um, it did definitely appear that in the Kansas City Stadium, where there were about sixteen thousand fans there, they booed the moment of unity, wherein the Chiefs and the Texans stood there and locked arms, and uh, you know they they did a bunch of woke nonsense. And I'm all for it. Because as much as these people want to say, oh, yeah, we're for Black Lives Matter and this and that, this is all fucking bullshit. This is all nonsense. None of this addresses the root issues. The root issue is not, no matter what people want to tell you, and and thank you, Chris fucking Collinsworth, for stopping and saying how much you will support these athletes, you fucking white asshole. But the root issue is not cops shooting unarmed black guys. That is not the issue. They want to pretend it is. It is a very rare happening, unbelievably rare happening. And as I've talked about many times and has been shown by a black Harvard professor who did the study, uh, there is no statistical evidence that this is somehow a, a racial thing against black people where cops are just going out and killing black people willing It's just not, absolutely not true. What is true and which none of these fucking assholes want to address is the fundamental mental underpinnings of it, of the drug war, of the welfare state, of the prison pipeline, of over-policing, of breaking up families, of incentivizing those families to stay broken up by virtue of the welfare state, of horrible schooling, of a lack of options because they don't want to have a fucking voucher system, they don't want to have charter schools, so they get stuck in these fucking shitty environments. All of these things, the drug war leading the charge are what is wrong and are why these things continue to happen and lead to greater inequality. Said it a million times, the greatest indicator of upward mobility, socioeconomic upward mobility, is a coherent, intact family unit. There is a reason we are not seeing that economic advantage or that economic uh, upswing in the black community, it's because you are seeing families be fucking torn apart, put into prison, get out, have no goddamn options anymore, and then the state incentivizes them not to get back together. So wake me when any of these fucking assholes on the left want to address this shit. Wake me when they stop burning fucking crap down. Wake me when they start preaching to me how racist I am and address the actual issues that's going to help correct the system. And then uh, let's get to our Idiot of the Week. Give us a song, Josh. No reason for sanity to be found. Idiots and assholes all around. When stupidity is at its peak, it's the Idiot of the Week. Ah, oh, yes. Thank you, Josh. Josh Anderson, our our pride member and friend, wrote that little ditty. So let's talk about the idiot of the week. And that is courteous of the Mandalorian star, Gina... I almost said Gina Gershon there. but You know, star of Pee-wee's... God, what was it? Pee-wee's... Not the Great Adventure. Pee-wee's Big Top? Big Top Pee-wee. Star of, of Big Top Pee-wee. But no... So, Gina Carano, who you guys might remember because she was an MMA fighter back in the day. Gina Carano is in The Mandalorian, right? She's kind of like this tough-ass broad, you know, she'd think would be a real inspiration to women everywhere as kind of like a bounty hunter-ass kickeress in this insanely popular show on Disney+. Plus. But now she's in trouble for, quote-unquote, mocking the transgender community because she put beep, oh, I'm sorry, boop slash bop slash beep in her Twitter bio in lieu of pronouns like all the woke assholes to putting him, her, etc. Them's, zim's, whatever the fuck people put. And I guess trans activists had been harassing her to put this shit in her bio, because it's not enough. Again, this is like Joe Jorgensen shit. It's not enough to be act- it's not enough to just be anti-transphobic. You have to be actively anti-transphobic. So Gina said, fuck off. I'm not going to put these pronouns in my Twitter bio. Instead, I'm going to put R2D2, boop, bop, beep. Hilarious. I love it. And she said, quote, they're mad because I won't put pronouns in my bio to show my support for trans lives. After months of harassing me in every way, I decided to put three very controversial words in my bio. Beep, bop, boop. I'm not against trans lives at all. They need to find less abusive representation. Fucking A right. You goddamn assholes. So, to Gina Carano, a tip of the hat. Can't wait to see the uh, return of The Mandalorian, a show that I did greatly enjoy. And uh, to Gina Carano, keep up the ass kicking on screen and off my fine fair lady. Uh, guys, that's going to do it for the show. Reminder, tune in to Mark Clear on Mondays with his interviews and in leaders of the Liberty Movement. I am here every Wednesday, and of course, John Odermat on Friday, wrapping it up with Felony Fridays. All grand shows. And uh, again, guys, you can support what we're doing on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And please do Rate the show. Give us a five-star review. Ask us a question. We are going to be doing one of our shows answering your questions in those five-star reviews coming up very soon. And share the show. Please share the show. Tell a friend. Tell somebody else. If you're hearing this for the first time, please subscribe and tell others to do so as well. All right, that's it. From me, Brian McWilliams, Lions of Liberty, Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into liberty.